You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network. I just want to let you know that our sponsor, Harry Tarantula, is looking for people who do comics in Canada for signings, events, and Q&As. So if you do a comic, they want to hear from you. They're located at 6979 Young Street, and you can give them a call at 647-430-1263. We're looking for people like our past guests, Ramon Perez, Marcus Toe, Kelman Andrasovsky, Ricky Lima, Megan Carter, Hope Nicholson. If you do a comic, they want you. Email them at us at harryt.com or call them again at 647-430-1263 and ask for Leon or Jeremy and tell them Aaron sent you. This episode is brought to you by the Canadian Independent Comic Book Wiki a website dedicated to cataloging every Canadian-made independent comic book. We wish to make information on all Canadian indie comics readily available for years to come. With over 300 entries so far, we are your source for discovering more indie comics from across Canada. Anyone could add information, so please consider contributing by adding a page for your favorite comic books. You can find the wiki at Canadian Comic Books Wikia. That's W I kia.com or at can comics wiki on twitter you're listening to speech bubble the podcast that goes one-on-one with toronto's comic book luminaries with your host aaron broverman Hello, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. I am your host, Aaron Broverman. And today, we have our first returning guest ever uh, at the Never Sleeps Network Studios. But we're not actually in the Never Sleeps Network Studios. We are in our guest's home studio in Pickering, Ontario. He is D.A. Bishop. That doesn't stand for District Attorney. That stands for David Bishop. He is the creator of Of Stone. If you heard our first episode with him, he talked about his career. He talked about his uh, book Of Stone. But we had him back in for a shorter podcast today because I want him to talk about a very special project that he has going on. One that shows that the writer is basically immaterial when it comes to comics because sometimes you get these very special comics that have no word balloons whatsoever and that's what this project is this project is called morte and it's drawn by mr d.a bishop and uh who's the writer on it the writer on it is uh kevin joseph now i do have to say writers being immaterial with with Morte, honestly, like this story wouldn't have happened without the writer, right? And I think I think it's important to say that you know a writer can still write a story, even if there's no words, right? Yep. Okay, so that's the thing. Like we should we should explain the whole phenomenon of silent comics mm-hmm. because the one silent comic that I ever read was a J. Michael Straczynski Spider-Man comic called Nuff Said. 
there, where there was like no speaking whatsoever. What was the story on that one? It was like a basic like bank robbery story. I, I'll have to go back to it and see. Yeah. But obviously, I remembered the pun for the title. Yeah. But si- yeah, silent comics are a special thing because the writer is important in the way that like they have to come up with the plot and everything. Mm-hmm. But there's no dialogue. No, right. Right. So without the artist, in those cases, there is no comic, right? Yep. Yeah. Basically. So, so I see what you're saying. The artist's job is more important, right? Right. In in the case of a silent comic, even though uh, the writer still has to come up with like what you need to draw. Although, you know, depending on the writer that you have, it can be super super detailed mm-hmm. or or super super uh, loose and uh, up into your interpretation right yeah and i think in a silent comic the writer's job is even tougher than it would be if it was you know with words because what they have to do is they have to be able to tell a story to the artist that makes sense right you know they need to be able to put this put the descriptions together well enough that the artist has an idea of how to interpret the story that they want to tell. So if anything, I would say that writing a silent comic is even tougher for a writer than one that had dialogue or captions even. There's not even any captions in, in Morte. Right, right, yeah. Because, I mean, you, cause you, have, to, you have to write the emotion. You have to mm-hmm. figure out like what the expressions are supposed to be, right? Yep. And, you know, what's happening in each scene... That's significant. Um, you know, what should be where um, and just how the character is feeling, like how getting across what that character is feeling so the artist knows what to draw. And, uh, you know, Kevin was indispensable when it came to that. What kinds of things would he describe in his uh, <coughs> layouts, I guess? Well, you know, in his script, he'd give me a very sort of specific idea of, of how many panels he's considering for the page. And in each panel, he would say, okay, well, in this one, it should be, you know, he's going into a diner. Um, and it needs to be clear that everyone has basically died where they sat or died where they stood or died where they worked. Right. And just going into detail and describing the diner so that I can put to paper what he's written down. Right, right. So let's let's tell the people what the plot is. For Morte, without kind of spoiling anything, what is the basic premise of of this comic? Well, Morte is a last person on Earth story, and what it does is it tells the story of the of the last person on Earth and and what they choose to do with their days. Because I know there's a lot of last man on Earth stories um, or last person on Earth stories, and they always say, "Well, it's the last person on Earth," but then they meet up with somebody else who is also the last person on earth or okay there's only a couple people left on earth or now. they didn't know that they weren't the last person on earth <laughs> right and it turns out they they weren't the last person yeah on earth. uh but morty does away with all that and we follow him around and over the course of the story discover you know what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing and you know there's no there's no big action sequences or anything like that it's it's strictly um you know an emotionally driven book yeah, that's what really struck me, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast was because it's very heavy. It's very, very <laughs> emotional. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff that happens in that book where you're like, "Wow, like that's devastating." Yeah, and sometimes 
the way that I don't know if it's the way that you draw him or it's the way that Kevin directed you to draw him, but like sometimes it seems like it's very routine for him. He's just going through his day, yep. doing what he's doing, uh, you know, doing the job. Like like who cares if he's the last person on earth? This is just his lot in life. And yep. then other times there's like little hints of emotion that come in, right? Yeah. Yep. Like little like he where he he takes on the weight of the situation of being the last person on earth yep. and not having anyone and not being the person that has to i guess like put these people to rest kind yep. of thing right yeah yep. so so and you you feel the weight of that you feel the heaviness of that but like ever so slightly in his in his facial expressions and then other times he's like a detective yeah because he has to go around and like figure out who these people are and yeah like where they belong and what family they belong to and yep. he has no support whatsoever <clears throat> mm-hmm. because there's nobody else but him trying to trying to piece this together right that's right so it, it's a whole range of, of things that he is feeling and then by virtue of that that the that the reader is feeling I mm-hmm. feel, right mm-hmm. and that that's something that you know Kevin took a lot of time uh, putting together and just to make sure that I understood what he's supposed to be feeling in all these instances. Um, and it's funny, when he first uh, proposed the project to me, he was coming back from, he was tabling at New York Comic Con. And um, as he was, I'm not sure if he was flying or driving back, but he just thought up this idea. And he had heard me on another podcast. Uh, Jason will probably kill me if I do not mention an elegant weapon. <laughs> we love an elegant weapon. It's yep. on our network too at neversleepsnetwork.com. Um, but yeah, so Kevin had heard me on an elegant weapon and I had heard um, him and we just exchanged. I gave him of stone and he gave me tart. And I don't know if you've read tart or not, but it's this fantastic, fantastic sort of supernatural story. <clears throat> but I love them. And so when he was coming back from New York Comic Con, he just said... Uh, you know, I have this idea for a book, and I want I want to know if you do it for me. And uh, he said, well, here's the drawbacks. There's, you know, he listed all the drawbacks first. He said, but now the good stuff, it's going to be a silent comic, so you get to do all the heavy lifting. So everything you do, like, it's going to be all you. That's what people are going to see. And uh, it just sounded like such a great challenge that I just figured, yeah, you know, like, I think we could totally do this. This was New York Comic Con 2016 or 2017? No, no, no. I think this was back in 2015. Okay. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Had you read Silent Comics before? I don't think I have. I don't, I can't. Like, when you said enough said, I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I had never heard of that before. And I can't really say that I've read any Silent Comics. But I do remember there was a big debate on Twitter not too long ago uh, about silent comics and the value of silent comics and the the value of the writer in a silent comic. Um, And it was a really, really intense debate going on there for the longest time. But your your opinion on that is that the writer is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the the writer has has to work very hard to be able to tell the story relying on the artist's visuals alone, right? There's no vocalized exposition on what's going on. They have to be very particular about, you know, the panels that they want there and how they want them laid out. And, of course, it's I mean, 
in any decent relationship, communication is two ways, right? So Kevin and I, we just have discussions about things. Um, and there, although Morty is a silent comic, there is one, one word, one letter. <laughs> Sorry. There's one letter in the entire book. And that was just a, a discussion that Kevin and I had about if we put this one letter in this book, it can be very affecting. You know, people can be emotionally affected by it. And when I was drawing it, I found that I was emotionally affected by it as well. You know, it's just the, the scene really, it, it hit me hard. Mm -hmm. It hit me hard. How did you capture the subtleties around the emotional cues? Like, what kinds of things do you have to do in your technique in order to make that happen? Well, I remember when, when we were talking about it, and I don't know why I started thinking about it, but... I started thinking about, you know, the actor Paul Dano? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you look at Mar Morte, you might see some physical similarities between Morte and Paul Dano. Um, just thinking about, you know, his expressions and, you know, the movies he's done. And I was just, you know, that, that might be a really cool way to draw him is he's not a traditionally handsome dude. And there's no reason that Morte needs to be, you know, have that superhero-ish good looks. I mean, I'm not really known for drawing superheroes good looks on people, but I, I think that look was really, really important to get across. And then him doing what he does in the book, he has to be able to handle these things that he does. And so he needs to he needs to look not just, I mean, sometimes focused, yeah, but for the most part, it's like this is just what he does. And so his emotions, his body language, his the way his face looks at, at different moments, it all has to convey that. And in terms of time, it seems like the end of the world event sort of, like, it didn't happen too long ago. Right. Because it's not like these bodies are, like, fully skeletonized. Yeah. They're not dust or anything. Yeah. Like, it happened pretty recently. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin, Kevin wanted it to be sort of mysterious. You know, like, we don't know why... It happened. We don't know how it happened. We just know that it happened. And, you know, he wanted it set in this small town because, it, I mean, it made sense for the story, the way that it connected. Uh, a small town is just the exact sort of thing that made sense. And then, you know, we can tell that it's been a while. Mm -hmm. Right? So, you know, he's been doing this for a long time, so he's very used to what it is that he's doing. Right. Which we can't really talk too much about what he's doing. Right. And that's sort of the problem with the silent comic, right? There's... <laughs> you get very limited about what you can talk about before people read it and, and see for themselves. We right? we have to stay silent. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, I mean, having never read a silent comic, but hearing the challenge of a silent comic, did you did you always have aspirations to do them? Or were you just like, oh, silent comic, like, I should... No, I, should I mean, that. that's nothing I, nothing I really planned to do. But when Kevin approached me with it, you know, once he approached me with it and he... Showed me this. Gave, he gave me the general idea for the script first, but then he gave me the script, and uh, I read the script and I said, "Okay, you know, I think we can do this." So I just messaged him back and I said, "Yeah, we we totally need we need to do this." What was your reaction when you read the script? I mean, a lot of emotions went through my head. I mean, yeah, some people think that the story is very depressing. Other people think that there's a lot of humanity there. What was your reaction to the story? How do you think about it? 
I think it's all a matter of, of your own perspective of the value of humanity. You know, what does the last person on earth do? Do they go on a shopping spree? Do they go binge drinking? Do they, you know, move into the White House just because they can? Or do they do something that is completely selfless and they're not being rewarded for it? No one's patting them on the back for it. This is just something that he wants to do. And so I think what it really does is it, it tells an optimistic story. You know, it talks about, you know, here we are, we're, as a race, we're completely devastated, but the last one of us is doing this one good thing. You know, and I think, I think that's the, the essence of who we are. You know, so yeah, I mean, there are depressing elements to it, but overall... I think it's I think it's an optimistic story. Well, it's a hard good thing. It's not you know anything of value is tough to earn type type of thing. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean somebody has to do it in a way. I mean, you have to and you don't have to. Yeah. And that's the thing like he he doesn't have to do what he does. Right. Right. There, there's nothing compelling him to do right. what he does, but he does what he does because he feels it's the right thing to do. Right, right. There's you a know? sense of decency where from the outside looking in you're like yep. you're like you should you should probably do this. Yep. But since he's the last person on earth, there's no consequences to not doing it. So No, there's the th fact that he's doing it like you said is completely selfless. It, it it's a completely selfless act, you know, and you know, I I like to believe in the power of the human spirit and I think that's something that this book speaks to is is the power of the human spirit. Did Kevin give you any insight into why he wrote it and where the idea came from? You know what? He did, but I've forgotten. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it was just something about coming out of New York and it was just quiet. It was like maybe he was flying and it was a quiet flight and the, the city looked empty. It had all the lights on, but you couldn't really see the people. He'd have to correct me on that. But uh, just I think that sort of got his writer juices flowing. I can see that, because, I mean, I go to jiu-jitsu uh, in the mornings now uh, for the 7 a.m. class. Oh, jeez. Which means I have to get up yep. at, like, 4.30. Yep. And I make sure that my alarm clock is in the bathroom so that I have to actually <laughs> get up and turn it off. Yeah. And I can't just roll over and turn it off yep. and go back to bed. Yeah. But once I'm outside... I'm basically the only person on the street. Yep. It's like super beautiful. Like I love it's, being outside. Oh, it's fantastic when you know you know that you know the city is busy and it's loud and it's crazy, but then you have these moments where you you get out there and there's nobody there. You know, and it like you can hear a street light. Right. Or you smell bread baking. Yeah. In, in like a Subway sandwich yep. place. Yep. And it, it like it's those moments that are just like wow, this is this is a really powerful moment. You know, and I'm, not that you get op emotionally overwhelmed by the moment, but it's a powerful moment because you recognize, you know, you can see what's around you. It's not just people, 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 people. And uh, I think that's what we tried to capture with Morte. Right. So what's next for Morte? Like, are you funding it on Kickstarter? Are you shopping it to publishers? Um, what are you doing? It is already being published, okay. as a matter of fact. Um, Kevin brought it to source point press out of uh michigan i believe um he went and hit up uh, their main man travis mcintyre who read the book and immediately said okay we're on board and i think you know it's a it's a very risky thing for a publisher to say 
hey, yes, we'll take your one shot and we will invest the money in it to publish it. Um, but that's just what they did. Yeah. So they're going to be... Um, it's available on the site as a pre-order right now. Um, but they're officially releasing it on the 17th of November at uh, a convention called Days of the Dead in Chicago. Fitting. Very fitting. Yes. <laughs> we thought it was. <coughs> so what is the website where people can pre-order it? Uh, Sourcepointpress.com. There's a store on that site. And... The, they can just pre-order it through Store Envy. Um, or if they see Kevin or I at a show, we'll have copies as well. And guys, this story is super emotionally affecting. Yeah. Like, I can see why uh, a publisher would take a chance on this one shot. Yeah. Because right now we're in a time in the industry where people are looking for things that are different. Yeah. People are look hungry for diversity mm -hmm. they're hungry for different ways of telling a story and it doesn't get much different than a silent comic and silent comics are hard yeah that's why you don't see them all the time yeah. if you saw them all the time nobody would care mm -hmm. that it was a silent comic right but they're hard mm -hmm. your experience doing it do you feel uh like you've elevated yourself as an as an artist i think so for, for sure because i mean kevin put a lot of the weight on my shoulders and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I don't want to screw it up. Just, I don't want to ruin Kevin or anything like that. And, uh, you know, thankfully, Kevin appreciated all the all the work that went into it. And like I said, it was a conversation. So if I had a question about something, I could go to him and say, hey, what do you think about this? And he'd say, well, no, I'm not really thinking that. But, you know, if something else comes up, let me know. Or I'd go to them with something and say, hey, yeah, that's a really good idea, too. Um and sort of the the issue with a silent comic as well is because it's all art, I think words tend to slow people down when they're looking at panels. So they're reading the words, but they're also taking the time to absorb the image. But with a silent comic, it's very easy for people to go, okay, got that image, got that image, got that image, got that image, and just keep flipping. Right. And in that instance, they, I think they can lose the story. So it's, it's one of those things where people have to really deliberately look at the images that are there to really understand the story. So I think there will be some people who will flip through it and say, okay, 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 okay. And then, you know, in a minute they'll be done the book. But then there'll be this other group of people who will look at the book and they will hold it and they will take a look at each of these panels and just absorb what the story is telling them. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did. I was like, wow. I mean, you were very generous giving me a digital copy. For me to peruse but now you got a print copy too because i'm giving you a print copy right here. oh man thank you so much uh, yeah it, it was just amazing and i had to have you back i mean we you are our first repeat guest just because <laughs> the work is so affecting that i wanted to tell people about it so uh thanks for coming in man this has been amazing absolutely thank you for having me and uh go to sourcepointpress.com go to neversleepsnever.com listen to the other podcasts we have on the network Download this on your favorite podcatchers. But uh, most of all, just support this comic. Support Kevin Joseph. Support D.A. Bishop. Support independent art. Support Aaron Broverman. And uh, <laughs> I guess, if they want to. Uh, we'll see you next time on Speech Bubble. has been
Radio Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. See you next time. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Hey again, fanboys and fangirls. Aaron Broverman here. Thank you for listening to Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network. I wanted you to know that NSN features other amazing podcasts created right here in Toronto. Comedy and wrestling fans, check out Casey Corbin's wrestling podcast, Talk and Wrestling, here on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thanks for listening.